0: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in me the fire of your love. To say this has been an emotional week here at St. Francis is an understatement. This week, we were supposed to to celebrate Catholic Schools Week, Well, to start the celebration, we closed the schools the first two days, on Monday and Tuesday, due to weather, then on Wednesday, The school children and teachers finally got to celebrate. They got to wear their pajamas to school. And then on Thursday, they got to celebrate again by wearing crazy hats. But then on Friday, the teachers and students were disappointed because we had to cancel school again uh, due to the weather. Now on Thursday, St. Francis de Sales was the site of a wonderful conference called Healing the Whole Person. The conference was attended by over 200 participants, and it focused on Jesus' mission of healing, not just physical healing, but mental and emotional and spiritual healing. Through three days of teaching, prayer, adoration, and and personal reflection, we were able to see and experience God's healing love for us. Little did we know, The message of this healing would be needed even more at the conclusion of of this week. Thursday evening, our our St. Francis de Sales family lost one of our sons, one of our young brothers in Christ, uh, a seventh grader. Tragically, we lost a truly kind, energetic, and gentle young man. To lose someone so young and vibrant is devastating, not only for the, for the family, but for our entire uh, community. Over the last few days, uh, the question I keep asking is, why does God allow this to happen? We hear in today's Responsible Psalm an invitation to praise God. Despite all the troubles and pain in our life, Praise the Lord who heals the brokenhearted. God is not to be blamed for our suffering and pains in this life. In fact, it is He who heals the brokenhearted. In times of pain and misery, we must turn to God where there is always reason to be hopeful for a better tomorrow. In today's first reading, we hear about the dilemma of Job who was an innocent and faithful servant of God. He was a man who completely believed in the Lord and received many blessings. And then the devil tries to undo his faith by severely testing him. And we know that Job lost everything. Job's story is is one of the most graphic descriptions of an innocent man who suffered. We see a man who has been faithful to God, but then went through a lot of suffering. Job lost his, his wealth, he lost his health, and he even lost his family. He lost many of his friends, but a few of his faithful friends t- stayed by his side, encouraging him. Job handled his suffering in a prayerful manner. He, we hear him crying out during this time in frustration when he was confined by his sickness and could not do his normal daily activities. He cries out, lying in bed I wonder when it will be day, rising. I think how slowly evening comes. Remember that my life is but a breath and that my eyes will never see joy. So during this time of sorrow, Job wondered if life was worth living. He was restless in a miserable condition was in made him think that death was a better option just like Job when we are in a time of suffering and pain we may ask God why must this happen to me how long is it going to continue and why must it happen at this time even though Job voiced his frustration he never doubts or loses his faith in God And at a crucial point of his suffering, we hear Job declaring, I believe my Redeemer lives. Human suffering is a mystery. We have a poor understanding of the meaning of suffering, and much less its redemptive nature. Suffering becomes even more mysterious when we see an innocent person suffer, and we cannot explain why he or she has to go through this. It is hard to understand why a good and caring God allows people to suffer. Job's case can remind us of our own struggles with life. Above all, it reminds us of what at at times seems to us as the grave silence or absence of God in our lives. They are terrible moments that can make us question, God, where are you? And why me? And what have, what have I done wrong? We know that God answers these questions in his own time. Rather than leave the image of suffering and misery, the story of Job should raise our hope and trust in the saving power of God. We know in the end that God appeared to Job and reminded him that he is present and working. God reju- rebukes Job's friends and restores his health his family gathers to comfort him, and he is blessed with more children and even more wealth. So this is a small glimpse of God's healing love for us. In today's gospel, we hear a brief description of a typical day of the Lord in his public ministry. He goes around preaching and healing the sick and doing acts of charity to everybody. There was no one who encountered Jesus with faith that he did not heal. The power of Jesus is still the same today. He is ready to heal those who come to him in faith. He is ready to have a life-changing encounter with those who are ready to approach him with humility. When things aren't going well, and we feel as if we are in the valley, we just need to keep trusting God, and he will eventually make things better. We must remember that we have a God who stays with us in the good times, the bad times, and even in the in between times. He never leaves us and he loves us unconditionally. We hear later in the gospel, rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. By his example, Jesus is telling us that prayer is very essential in our life if we really want to know and follow the will of the Heavenly Father. Prayer is not just asking for favors from God. Rather, it is our communication with God to know His will and to have strength, guidance, and inspiration to fulfill it. Oftentimes, we willfully forgo our prayers because we say we are too busy or maybe even feeling overwhelmed. Following the example of Jesus, it is clear Despite that his perfection as God and his busy schedule, he finds time to be alone in order to pray. He is telling us the busier, busier we are, the more there is the need to pray harder and longer. The whole picture of the ministry of Jesus is that of mercy, compassion, and charity for the needy and the broken, coupled with his zeal for the fulfillment of the will of the Heavenly Father. So, we here at St. Francis are, are very blessed to have a pastor that is full of love and compassion for our Lord. And also for a pastor that, that uses this, his love and compassion and, and spreads it to us. Uh, so this love also radiates through our principal, our vice principal, principal, and our teachers for the love of the children that we have here at St. Francis School. So, on Friday afternoon, I I talked with Father concerning the events that happened over the last 24 to 48 hours. And I expressed to him at that time that as a a St. Francis family, we want, actually, we need to hear from our shepherd, from our spiritual father, and from our pastor. So, at this time, I'd like to hand this over to, to Father Dave.
1: Thank you, Deacon Eric. Actually, on Friday, what he said to me is, do you want to preach this weekend? Because uh, he was scheduled to preach. And uh, I said, no, you go ahead and preach. And, uh, but I told him I would say a few things. So what Deacon Eric is referring to, um, I'm sure most of you know, is um, we had um, a young boy in our parish, uh, Brady. Hempelman, and uh, he is um, from a parish family, uh, extensive parish family. There's several siblings, and there's also uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and and grandparents and um, so uh, in laws. uh, A a lot, a very connected family. And he is uh, also a a boy in our um, school, a seventh grader. On Thursday night, uh, he's on our basketball team. On Thursday night, they were at Licking Heights uh, playing basketball. Um, And at the end of uh, the game, they were heading back. um, Brady, his uh, father, one of his brothers, and um, one of the grandmothers. And as we remember on Thursday night, uh, we had a bit of a snow, well, we did. We had um, really poor conditions in the snow. So low visibility and slippery roads and um, an accident happened and um, uh, Brady uh, died on the scene. When we encounter something like this, uh, it's just inconceivable that a young person would would die. And I think especially uh, for many of you who are parents, when you hear of something like this, it just... It just breaks your heart and, and, of course, strikes fear in your heart too for your own families. And, and your love goes out to the Hempelman family. All of us feel that way. When we got the news uh, late on Thursday evening, uh, Sally, uh, Mummy, the principal, and Ed Watson, the vice principal, and I, the three of us went down to Mount Carmel. to be with the family and remain with them through the early hours of the morning. Uh, I was able to uh, see Jeff and Terry and pray with them and also Brady's siblings um, to give them the anointing of the sick and and to give them the um, communion and a blessing. And then all of us stayed with the family members in the waiting room until each of them were um, making the decision to go home and make sure that they were going home with people who were able to drive. When I run into these types of tragedies, one of the questions that is, always comes up is where is God in this? Where's God in this? Where's God in the death of a young boy how is this right? How is this just? It isn't right. It isn't just. And it's not anything that any of us expect or want. In fact, the exact opposite. But it's not just with the death of a young boy or a young girl or the death of a, of a, of a, of a, a, a young parent. This happens across our lives as human beings. Whenever we experience a loss, like a loss of job, or of our house, or of an important relationship, or when we get bad news about uh, our health or the health of somebody that we love, or when somebody hurts us and we have a wound, or when we end up hurting somebody else and they have a wound because of us, these questions arise, where is God in this? And it's a good question. And whenever we experience suffering of any kind, we should ask this question. Where are you, God, in the midst of this? The problem is, is that when we ask this question, a lot of times we answer our own question. We provide the answer. When the fact of the matter is, is that we can't supply an answer to a question like that. We're not able to answer that. But some of us go ahead and answer that question for ourselves anyways. And the answer that we give ourselves are things like this. The death of a young person. Where were you, God, in this And we don't see God in this, and so we think that he wasn't there. And then all kinds of things come from that. He doesn't exist. He doesn't love us. There's, you know, people are being punished. um, This is a result of X, Y, or Z. All kinds of uh, uh, variations of our answers. And none of them are good. And they end up hurting us. But then it doesn't just stop with us. They end up hurting others. Because if we don't allow experiences like this to transform us, then the pain that we experience doesn't get transformed. It gets transmitted to other people. And it's not then us just hurting. It's us bringing that hurt into other people's lives. And so, trying to answer a question like that on our own, it's impossible. But there is an answer to that question. And the answer isn't one that we come up with or others come up with us on an intellectual level to make sense of something like this, because something like this just doesn't make sense. The answer... Is a person who doesn't supply us with an answer that would satisfy our minds or our hearts. He supplies us with himself. He's the answer. And in all of the many ways in which we will suffer in this world and have and are, like, right now as a community, He's the only answer that makes sense, the only one. At the very beginning, when we look at our beginning as humanity, we see very clearly from the scriptures that God's original plan for us as human beings is that we would never suffer that we would never know heartache, that we would never know the frailty of the human body, susceptible to uh, disease or to accidents, and that we would never know death. God didn't plan any of this. God didn't will any of this. And yet, when this happens to us in this broken world, we blame Him. But he didn't leave us alone and isn't leaving us alone when we travel through our lives in this world that has fallen and is separated not only from him in our woundedness, but we often end up separating ourselves from one another in our woundedness. He didn't leave us alone with this. Rather, what he did and decided to do was to join us in our suffering. To suffer for us, certainly, like in our sins. But even in things like accidents or the frailty of the human body or our mortality, to suffer with us. And that's what he decided to do. And that's what he decides to do. As he decided to come and be among us and join us in our human condition, A human condition that across our lives is going to know suffering. So that whatever and whenever we suffer, we know we're not alone. And we know that the suffering isn't senseless and in vain and useless to us and to our relationships with one another and to this most important relationship with him. Because the way in which He chose to join us in our human condition was to become human with us and then to take all of our suffering into Him and then to make it redemptive. He can take our suffering and transform us in that suffering, not despite the suffering but through the suffering and because of the suffering with his redemptive love. Jesus never promised us. God never promised us in the Old Testament and Jesus never made the promise in the New Testament that we would go through this world and not know suffering. He never promised that. That's nowhere in the Scriptures. Rather, what he promised us is that when we suffer, Jesus said, I will be with you. And not only that, he made another promise. Because when he comes to us in our suffering as the crucified Christ, he also comes to us as the resurrected Christ. With power to heal us. Again, not despite our sufferings, but because we're suffering, because we hurt, because our hearts are breaking. And then we who always have freedom to either accept this love or reject this love, to blame this love or to run to this love. When we give our brokenness to him, then he gives not only his brokenness back to us, he gives his resurrection to us. And it is that resurrected love that has the power to get us through so much, so much suffering in this life. But it doesn't stop there. Because it isn't just him. It's us. When he joined us in our humanity, then he brought divine love into human love. And what he did then is divinized our love. So that when any one of us is suffering, we can go to them. And with our human love, communicate something of God's divine love for us. And in that exchange of care and of prayer and of just being in the presence of those who are suffering, that person... That family, that couple, whoever, they know they're not, they're not alone. And not just not alone in the sense that there are other humans around them, but because God's love is being communicated through us, they know they're not alone because God is with them. After this Mass, I'm going to go be with uh, Jeff and Terry again. Um, Brady's parents Jeff is still in the hospital He has to go through a series of operations he, he, He's going he's gonna to be okay uh, Physically So I'm just going to go with them And be with them in the hospital this afternoon And pray with them and love them And let them know they're not alone And we're making plans And we'll get these plans to you uh, Of this uh, probably end of this week Um, the funeral mass and the showing afterwards and how to make our church available during this COVID time where we, we can come and be able to express our love and our care and our concern and our prayers for this family. Thank God. But not just them. How many in our community among you And how many who are not here for any number of reasons and who have left this parish years ago or a month ago or sometime in between. And often because they are hurting in some form or another. And God has given us the power to be able to go to them with our human love and give something of God's divine love. No. When we ask that question, and all of us should always ask that question every day of our life Where are you, God? We don't answer that question for ourselves. We let Him answer that. I am here. I came to join you in good times and bad, in health and in sickness, for better and for worse, for richer and for poor, I'm with you. And when we really allow that to sink into our lives and into our wounds and into our hurts and into our fears and into our anger and into our confusion and into our hopes, when we really allow, I mean, each of us that love to affect us, then everyone else around us will no longer feel alone when they're suffering. Because then what he gives to us, we will run to them and give to them so that they know both in our love and through our love that God is with them. That is a Christian community.